Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your casual Hoya Georgetown basketball podcast. As always, I'm Bobby Bancroft, and we have a really special edition tonight. Um, before we get to that, let's get Ben standings here, as always, from The Athletic. And we have the latest Georgetown social media sensations, the guys from Dog Talk. Everyone knows Chris Wright, Austin Freeman. What's up, guys? What's going on? Thanks for having us. Oh, thank you. I think you've done a big service in the last couple of weeks um, to the whole Georgetown community. I know everyone's pumped about it. So Ben and I wanted to have you on and give you guys a chance to talk about what's going on and how it all started. Right. Right. In terms of how it started? uh, Yeah, just, yeah. Well, for us, it started because Mac McClung called us out. That's how it started. Yeah. That's Wait, what? Started for sure. Mac McClung. Okay. He yeah, called so. Georgetown out. Right. So to be honest with you, we got to give credit to Mac, and I didn't disagree with him. I, I felt that there would need to be a sense of pride to be restored into Georgetown, and the alumni were the best way to reach that. And um, me and Austin have been attached to each other in this basketball world for as long as we can remember. And uh, when we got a call from – when I got a call from Gene Smith to be a part of the Hoyt Locker Room talk, I was like, I got to get free on there with me. <laughs> and, yeah, right. you know, we got on the Hoyt Locker Room talk, and, you know, we told some of our stories and how we felt about the program and everything. And we got a great response. Uh, so after that, we said, let's do this. Let's start dog talk. You know, let's right. let's create a, a platform for – former Hoyas and Hoya fans and just the world to understand that we are a brotherhood and we want to get back to that and we want to get our program back to being one of the one of the elite programs in college basketball. So uh that's how it started and we just want to keep running with it till we can till we reach that. Yep. Yep, yep. Now I know this past season, um so just real quick, Chris, you're you're still playing, correct? Yes. And Austin, I want to say in the last six months, you decided to hang them up? Yes, I did. I hung them up, and now I'm coaching at the Master Catholic High School. I think, I think we've all heard of that place because <laughs> I, I know I kept, I kept seeing Austin. Um, I don't know if Chris, I don't, I don't know if Chris, you, you knew this, but I was sitting in the auxiliary press box for the World Series. And, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sitting there with one of my, uh, one, one of the other guys I was, I was working with, and I said, did Austin Freeman just walk by? And he said, can you stop talking about Georgetown basketball for like one minute? And <laughs> I, I said, I, look, that I guarantee it. So then I, all I did was I wasn't focused on the game. I was focused on where I thought Austin went and if he was going to walk by again. And sure enough, it was. Um, yep. <laughs> that's, that's, that's real. In the World Series, Austin Freeman is still ringing names, ringing bells. The yeah. World Series, right? Even though it's that loss, but you know, <laughs> nah, we the champs, Great bro. Experience, though, by the way. We are the champs. Oh, we lost that game, though. Oh, we lost that game. Oh, okay, okay. So, wait, hey, are so you guys? Uh, are you guys both in town right now? In, in yeah. the DC area? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we are. Well, I mean, we have to get then the take that like I know I'm. You know, hopefully you guys are you and your family, your guy, and everybody's doing okay all that's going on i know like on a regular day-to-day level i'm bored and 
scared all at the same time? What, what's it going? You guys are young and hip. You guys are literally traveling the world. So how are you dealing with uh, being effect- effectively stuck here and, and not being able to do things you would normally do as uh, young guys out on the town? Um, um, well, right now, you know, um, you know, with everything going on, I mean, you can't really do much. Uh, you know, me and my family, we're just here, you know, uh, you know, just chilling and trying to stay as safe as possible. Um, you know, uh, now I'm doing a little Zoom workouts with, uh, you know, some kids from DeMatha, uh, a little dribbling, uh, Zoom workouts and stuff. Um, you know, me and the coaches, we have Zoom calls, uh, you know, every once every week. Just trying to, you know, stay in contact, you know, just to figure out how everybody's doing. Um, you know, but, you know, it's just real. Uh, we're taking a real slow motion right now, you know. Yeah, for me, it was um, – I had a comeback, you know, obviously pretty crazy. So, when I was in – I was in Poland this season, and we were actually having a great year um, as a team. And for me, individually, I was having a great year. And the season stopped. I came back home March 15th. I was already in quarantine for like three weeks before that, um, before I got home. I was already in quarantine because Europe was just running rampant with, with coronavirus and everything. Um, when I got back home, people were still going to shoot <laughs> baby showers and going to work and uh. all type of stuff. When I got home, I was I was like, yo, y'all need to sit down, man. This is This is not no joke out here. So... Um, for me and my family, we kind of we kind of stay low, man. We still been kind of staying out the way. Um, you know, I'm meeting up with Free and you know, a few other people every now here and then, see my parents and stuff. But I got three kids, and I, I just you know the worst thing for me is if one of my kids would get sick, or my, myself or my wife. Um, and then with me having multiple sclerosis and my auto, my immune system kind of being compromised as it is, I kind of been staying out the way, you know, um, just just for for precautionary reasons. And uh, just with the the whole situation that's been going on in America right now, just this, you know, the injustice that's going on, it's been a very difficult time for me because I have a son, and you know, just seeing the world that he's going to grow up in is kind of you know it's scary for me. So I've been just trying to do everything I can to educate myself on the best way to go about uh, how I want to provide for my family and how I want to raise my kids. Did you guys take part in the, I know that Patrick Ewing put out a statement that, uh, or maybe it was Georgetown in general, but just that there was, I think, basketball alumni from, I want to say, this most recent class, which would be Jacob Mosley and George Mirasan, back to like 1968. Were you guys part of that group that got together to talk about what, what you want to do moving forward? Yep. Uh, yep. We were on yeah, the we were, call. We were all on that call. We were all on the call. It was about I I want to say what free about seventy people on that call. Yeah, almost just about seventy people on the call. Yeah, so we we're trying to do these calls. Um, I think they said once a month, and okay. I didn't I wasn't able to make the first. Did you go to Were you able to uh, do the first one free? I didn't do the first one. That that was actually my first time getting on the call. Yeah, the, the last and the call there. was, yeah, and the call was cool, but the, just the tone and just the underlining, just where the state of of the country was and where we are physically and mentally was just obviously it was a tough time, even though we were, it was all excited to see everybody and all that stuff. And the whole family was getting together. It was still a very tough moment. Um, and you you can feel that Dwayne Bryan was very, you know, he was, he was hurt. Yeah. He was going through a lot, he was. you know, as, 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 yeah. which is understood. And other, everybody has been going through a lot, but 
it was kind of mixed emotion, a lot of mixed emotions on that call. Yeah. Wayne Bryant, I'm old enough to remember watching him play, so that is a uh, that is definitely a blast, uh, a blast from the past. What's it, what's it like? I mean, what obviously part of this whole thing for you guys is trying to resurrect, you know, trying to do with your part to get Georgetown back to where it was when you guys played before you guys were playing. What's it just been like as you're sort of to some degree reconnecting? What's it been like on a on a on a brother level to, to see all these guys and also to talk about Georgetown and and, and get you know, you guys have been doing your own thing now for the last couple of years to get back to this point um, and, and kind of, you know, look back at, at the thing that, that that helped bond you guys all together in the first place. Uh, that's a hell of a question, brother. <laughs> that's, that's a, Ben, that is, that is a very long question. <laughs> it, it was. I have, I have a problem. That's a hell of a question. Um, that is. Uh, I, I would say, you know, so the question is, how does it feel to just kind of reconnect with the with the program? Yeah, I mean, basically, you're you're back with all these guys. You, you know, you guys are making the move, but you're also reconnecting on a personal level with all the guys you've known throughout throughout the year. Right, right, right. Um, I mean, it feels good, man. It always feels good because we all have something in common, and we all have something that we we care about, and that's Georgetown basketball and Georgetown University. So, in that sense, it feels good to connect with guys because. I, you know, we, me and Free just, we just got off, uh, we just did some, uh, another interview recently, and it's, and it's funny that it's a universal feeling when it comes to us Hoyas and, and where the program is and how, you know, we think that we need to make changes. And I think Patrick Ewing, Coach Patrick Ewing is doing a great job. I honestly do. I think he's doing a great job, and he is shifting the culture there. I just think that he needs to have some people around him um, that know this area better and um, can recruit this area better. And I, and I think that's – we all kind of came to agreement that that's something that needs to be done sooner sooner rather than later. So so speaking of, of recruiting better, um, to me, after I got out of college, I got my Georgetown tickets, Eshrick was coaching, JT3 comes in, and the program was building. And, you know, Sweet 16, Final Four, and I think – and I'm not just saying this because we're talking to you guys, but for me as a local kid that grew up in Northern Virginia, I think landing two McDonald's All-American five-star local guards was right up there. And to me, that was like, you know, anyone can sort of, you know, a team can have a run to the tournament, but to do that, that to me was like, okay, like Georgetown's back. And I don't. I, I don't think it's realistic to haul in two McDonald's All American local guards every year. That's kind of what maybe you know Duke or Kentucky does. But what do you think is sort of? I know it's not an easy question, but what do you think sort of needs to change for Georgetown to get the inroads locally where the local recruiting is going? Because you know you guys landed, then Jason Clark follows, um, Markel Starks. I'm probably missing some guys, but you 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 know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh... Uh, me and Chris have been talking this, talking about this maybe for I don't know, years. Three, yeah, years. Uh, you know, recently maybe the last three weeks, but uh, we gotta we gotta recruit in our area. Yeah, uh, we gotta we gotta get out and recruit in the DMV. Um, we gotta we gotta get up and down the East Coast, and uh, we gotta go to Louisiana. That's right. that's when Georgetown has, you know, some of their best teams has been that way. Just, you know, they've recruited 
uh, in the DMV. They've been up the East Coast and they went to Louisiana. Those are the, um, you know, that should be our staples. That's where where we should be. Those are bases. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where we where where we should be at when we're recruiting. Um, yeah, it's just pretty much we gotta be we gotta be in our area. We gotta show our faces around. Uh, just showing that you know we're we're interested in these kids. Um, it, yeah. So we pretty much just gotta gotta be in this area. We gotta really really get around and being in the area, getting these now, kids so they don't run off and go out west or anywhere else pretty much or even worse to villanova right <laughs> there you go right but so, um so I mean, go ahead. no i was just gonna say when you guys committed and i remember when you know we we would you guys had just left but you know the media would come in there we'd talk in the lobby of mcdonough you know tv cameras in the lobby of mcdonough you got you know georgetown cross-country runners and track athletes stretching you know and georgetown was able to recruit when that was going on now there's this thing that exists. That's incredible from the times I've been in it, the Thompson center, a little surprising that that hasn't paid off. I, I feel a lot of fans over the years would point to facilities and, Oh, you know, how are we going to compete with Ohio state or, you know, name whatever big state school, you know, now, you know, they got that. And I feel like I'm, a, I guess I'm a little surprised that that hasn't paid off more, more dividends. Cause it's absolutely beautiful. Well, I mean, listen, when, by the time our facilities were made, that was a mandatory. Okay. You understand? That was okay. mandatory for for a high D one program. By the time none of you know, and we gotta we gotta play, we gotta we gotta have tough criteria for what we're saying. You gotta think about it. The top programs. When I was getting recruited, I remember all these coaches telling me about their facilities were going to be built that year or in the next year. There was no longer by the time it was two thousand eight, two thousand nine, everybody had the facilities. So. I mean, when did we get out to Sydney? 17, 2017? I think it was the 16, 17 season, yeah. Right. So, to be honest, we they were talking about facilities when I was a – I mean, when I was getting recruited by NC State, they had top-notch facilities in 03, 04. So, to be honest with you, we, we behind the eight ball. That was something that was mandatory. That's not something – and to be honest, it's not fancy enough. <laughs> okay. To, like, comparatively speaking to some of the other major programs. You know, so um, now the facility is not as much as as as, as great as it's been and, and as as good as it's been as an asset to us. It ha- is it kind of lost momentum because we just had to catch up. When we got the campus, when we got to Georgetown, we had the same wooden locker room that Patrick Ewing uh, Senior had. Yeah. You know, close back. You know, so <laughs> come on, man. I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be wearing the same shorts as Mike Graham and Mike Jackson, you know, so that's how it kind of felt when we were walking in there. Um, uh, It was a a transitioning period during that time. And we were, and when we came in as well, me and Austin were were trying to right the ship. As you mentioned, we got Jason Clark, we got Mark Hill Stocks, we got Henry Sims from Baltimore, we had Dewan Summers from Baltimore. We were trying to shift the culture. We were trying to shift the culture and, and bring it home to the point where everybody would be supporting Georgetown. And they were. But I think the biggest problem was Austin Freeman and Chris Wright being local All-Americans and being McDonald's All-Americans and having as much as respect as we did um, and still do, that us not getting to the NBA really hurt the program. I, I firmly believe that. And I'm not saying that because, you know, I wanted to be a first-round pick and top ten, all that stuff. No, I, I believe from looking at it from the outside in now, 10 years later, 
I think that hurt us because then we had to go out west and, and try to get on oh, Midwest and try to get an auto porter because the kids here weren't coming. The Markel Folks, the Anthony Cohens, the Mellow Trimbles, they decided not to come because they saw it and they saw how we panned out. And they will tell you, well, we saw how Chris and Free were. I don't, I don't, you know, the style, the, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't ideal. And all eyes were on Georgetown when we got there because we had done so much work in this, in this community, um, at that time. So I think it took a major hit by us not reaching out for Markel Stalks did, uh, by him not bruising the NBA. I, that took a major hit because at the time we were the best players in the area. Chris, there definitely was a, a sentiment you would hear about how Georgetown uh, under JT3 struggled. I think big men to get to the NBA, but guards w- w- would be a struggle. You mentioned the tempo. I, I definitely talked to guys in the, in the NBA who, when they would talk about it, guys who like were being recruited by Georgetown that we would know. And I would ask why ultimately did you pick them? And they would talk about, well, ultimately I didn't really like the, 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 the tempo, so to speak. What, from your perspective, what was, was any of that factor fiction? Like what was the deal that, was that just people in an excuse that they, that that's why they didn't want to go to Georgetown? Did they, was the tempo an issue for you guys ultimately, do you think in terms of the pros? Did you did you did, were you did you happen to see our interview with Kevin Durant? Uh, I was watching a few minutes of it today. I actually was watching one of your other interviews you just gave about an hour ago, right before this. I saw some of the Durant, but not all. Okay, so I asked him a question. One of the questions I asked him, I was like, "What could we have done to get a talent?" So Kevin Durant was class of '06. We were me and Austin were class of '07. Yeah. So I asked him, uh, "What could we have done to get a talent like you?" to get the top tier guys, what could we have done to get a talent like you? And his answer was, he wasn't, I mean, a nice, <laughs> he said it in the nicest way possible, but he wasn't interested because he saw the, the style of play we played. We weren't up-tempo. We didn't have any, you know, it wasn't a, a place that would highlight your individual talent. So to answer your question, yes, that, I, I agree with with uh, the rhetoric of these, I don't know, GMs or NBA uh, execs because it, we weren't able to see our full, our, our full arsenal and um, weren't able to see what we were, you know, why we should be next level players. Um, and that and that took a that took a hit for a lot of players. You know, Dewan Summers was amazing. He goes uh, fast paced offense or somewhere they feature his talent. He's a he's a lottery pick. You know. You know, so it's a lot of different the Bernard Macklin, he left Georgetown and ended up making an NBA, ended up getting drafted. So the style of play at that time was not conducive to the, the, the talent that he had. It was conducive to the talent that he had before we got there with John Wallace and Jeff Green and Roy Hibbert and, and Tyler Crawford and those guys. But when we got there, we were guys that were ready to go right away. Just give us the ball and let us go. And just give us the structure and support us. And um it took him – I think it was he, – he didn't adjust to that coach. I'm talking about Jason 3 didn't adjust to that system as quickly as he, you know, we would have liked. But Bobby and I talk about the old days far too much, and the one game that we probably talk about – All the time. Than, beyond some of the, you know, NCAA tournament stuff, is that game against at Missouri, where they obviously were a very up-tempo team. I think it was Mike Anderson was the coach, right, sort of, a, sort of their version of like a 40 minutes for hell kind of thing. And you guys yeah. – you two and Clark, that was it, – it felt like that was the game that said, wait, this is where Georgetown should be doing with these particular players. We always wondered what would have happened if that could have been the style, at least more of the up-tempo style with you guys. 
Man, crazy about that is yeah. that Missouri game. When we played them, we were, we thought we was playing against Michael Johnson, Marion Jones, and right, Bell. right, <laughs> playing against a whole the U.S. the USA track team, pretty much. It was, Goodness it was gracious! It was a track. <laughs> they were a track. They team. were moving up and down the court. You know, that's one thing I remember about that. And I remember like, yo, this is fun, man. <laughs> right, right. This is so much fun. We had so much fun, and we and we stepped up to the challenge. And we right. did what we had to do to to win a game in a hostile environment. That's that was probably the most points I've ever. That was probably the most points I've ever scored in my like as a team, uh, in my college career. We scored like 111 points. Yeah. And imagine, yeah, like, man. think about that. We scored 111 points in the Princeton offense, which is like ridiculous. Ah. Right. Which well, is crazy. Yeah. So. Well, Ben, I know that you covered the NBA for a long time. Still do. When we talk about the Princeton offense and, you know, Pete Carroll was with, 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 with the Kings, I mean, I always always try to tell people that, you know, Princeton principles can take a team anywhere, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was sort of, I guess, maybe that was me sticking up for Georgetown or saying, like, look, you know, it's it's set up not to just necessarily take the air out of the ball. It's set up to just try and get the best shot all the time. But, you know, it doesn't necessarily – you know, mean it's always going to be, you know, you two guards or it's going to be Monroe or it's going to be whatever. So that kind of leads me into, so casual Hoya in this pandemic, as there's kind of been nothing to talk about. Well, that's not true. Mac McClung became a big thing to talk about every week for a different silly reason. Um, But one of the things we did was we did a bracket and it's still going on of the best games from when JT three got there up through currently with Pat, and there's a lot of games where you guys were both on the team that are in this 64 team bracket. Um, we, we, you know, we don't have five hours to talk about all of them, but I kind of jotted down for me when I look back at your career and like, okay, these are like, these are the four or five games that really stick out. Let me just read them to you. You can tell me if there's anything interesting about those games. You can tell me, Hey, Bobby, those games actually weren't the best ones. It was these instead, but let me just, let me just try and, you know, go, go over them here. I think I probably got some of them. So real quick, obviously, the 2010 Duke game, you know, the Princeton at its finest. Obama's there. Duke ends up winning national title um, later that season. So you beat, you beat them. Uh, the hold quarterfinal. On, on. Before we, get to, before we get to the next one. Before <laughs> we get to that next, the next one. Okay. That game. So I think we were shooting. We 75%. Were shooting 75%. I think yeah. all one, one more basket. And then that, that was like the record for. Whatever it was. You wanna know why we didn't get it? So I do. Greg Monroe hits me on a layup before <laughs> and I miss, I it like wide open layup and I missed the layup. And it and it brings down our percentage on the uh, <laughs> on that joint. We could have had the record too and I missed the layup. It was I'm not talking about the, the butt naked layup. Like nobody there. Like, left handed layup too though. Yeah, I, I remember that. It. Like, oh that was the Yeah, that was bad. But we, we won, though, so. Yeah. yeah. I, well, go ahead. Yeah. I would say so. I, I remember going into work the next day, and one of the guys was a Maryland fan. And he's like, well, you know, anybody can win if they shoot 75%. I was like, well, they got really good shots for a reason. Um, Spoken anyway. like a true turp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, two th- so later that year, 2010, Syracuse Big East Tournament quarterfinals, they were the one seed. They had swept you guys. And it's just that was just an incredible game. Um, 
the 2010, God, there's all 2010 games, the Villanova Blizzard game. Mm. Mm. That's a 100-point mm. game, too. Big game. That was uh-huh. a 100-point game. And that was another just-played game. We just played that game. Just played. That was a 100-point game, and I had three points, I think, that game. That doesn't seem possible. Nah, it happened. Nah, it happened. <laughs> it did happen. Yeah. That's one thing about the Princeton. It will happen. You'll look up and, like, how is that yeah. possible? Right. Speaking of yeah. speaking of of uh, of uh, Chris's performances here, we got 2011, the first win at Syracuse in a long time, and Chris Wright comes out in the middle of the zone on offense. Yeah, I played in the middle of the zone the whole game. Well, that was yeah. probably one of the best adjustments. Yeah. Because I, I lose the reason that that year, I uh, well we did it that year because of what we did in the quarterfinal game against them in the Big East tournament because right. we played them in the middle of that zone and he made all pretty much he made all the plays and that was probably one of his best games I've ever seen him as a Hoyas that game because I mean there's a backstory to that too with I mean <laughs> if you want Let's to tell but, um, yeah we can, we can share that story uh, so alright so you know the Big East teams kind of came out um, and I guess Chris May have made honorable mention, or maybe honorable mention that year. Someone, yeah, I, made, I think, he made honorable mention all Big East that year. Uh, we've had, we have practice. We go up to New York. I probably didn't have a conversation with Chris Wright and like an actual conversation with him until maybe we're coming it might back. Might have been Selection we're Sunday. Com- <laughs> we're, 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 yeah, I have a conversation to him till, until Selection Sunday. Right. He didn't talk to none of us. The most he would say was, what's up, y'all? How y'all doing? Everything Boy, cool? And that would be it. Yeah, or calling yeah. out a play. But other than that, he didn't talk to all of us. He was so focused, that Big East tournament, yeah. that, like, it was, it was, like, it was, it was crazy because, like, he was playing arguably some of the best basketball at that time, too. But, and then at a certain point in time, I probably want to say, like, after the Syracuse game, we just let him be. We let him go. Like if he didn't want to speak, he didn't speak, and we just let him go. But it was, yeah, it, 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 it was cool, man. It was cool, but also at the same time, I wanted to talk to my friend at the same time. But so, <laughs> and you, know what's, you know what's funny about that? So after it was the first time I talked, I'm remembering this is when we beat uh, Syracuse, um, and we going to no, no, it was after Marquette when we beat Marquette and we going to the finals. And I'm like, dang, man. I said, I remember sitting in the locker room. Me and Free always sat next to each other in the locker room. And and I was like, dang, man, we finally did it. We got one more. That was the first time I said something. And Free says, oh, he talked. He talked. He was like, oh, he's talking now. He's talking now. So I kind of assume based on how you guys are acting that Chris was a guy that talked a lot, maybe wouldn't shut up. Free? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Day. I mean, to this day, right? Yeah. You gonna have to hear he me. Was that's acting, one thing. He was acting that's like one me. thing with the voice, huh? I said you was acting like me. I'm the. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing. Me and Free have always had good synergy because I'm, you know, I'm a little, I'm all over the place. I'm gonna speak. I'm gonna do my thing, and Free is kind of the calm, and you know, he got that calming effect to him. So you know, it always it always worked with us because we always had that energy. And me, you 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 gonna have to hear me, and I ain't gonna talk too much that ain't truth. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know. I think that's one of the problems Ben and I have. Neither of us shut up. <laughs> Wait, I, this is this. I have, I have a question about this. This sort of ties into sort of what we're talking about recruiting and science fiction and things. This is another topic Bobby and I get into often as reporters in particular. Chris is a talker, also a little calmer. At Georgetown has a policy. Freshman year, first semester. Oh, here we go. Freshmen, freshmen cannot talk. Now, I understand yeah. why this policy was put in place a long time ago, but this is 2020, and we're talking about getting guys to recruit. And I'm sure Chris was wanted, wanted, to, wanted to talk to, to, uh, to, to the media, you know, introduce himself to the world and things like that. But also, if you're recruiting guys with four- and five-star recruits now, especially guys who think they may only be around one year, the idea of not talking for the first semester seems to be go against kind of what, what those guys are probably thinking. But you guys literally went through this. So I'm curious, what do you guys think of that policy? Does that work for you guys, or is it something that's going to be a little outdated? Hell no, it ain't work for me. I hated it. I wanted to talk to you. <laughs> as soon as I committed, as soon as I committed, I was ready to talk. I wanted to express. I hated it. I remember on media day when everybody's down the other end or in the front at, in McDonough and everybody's talking to the media about the upcoming season. Me and Free got standing on the other end and be stretching, act like we fake stretching or, or shooting some jump shot. Man, I couldn't stand that. I couldn't wait to get on the mic. You know, that's, that is me. I'm a point guard. I talk all the time. That's my role. That's my end. And you guys kept me quiet. I did not like it. I mean, I, I, I was okay with it because, like, I'm not, I'm not the biggest talker. But I mean, I mean, I felt like at that time that that was our chance to get out to, you know, to let the people here speak. Uh, you know, just to see, how, yeah, just to see how we, how we are. I mean, just hiding us for that semester. I mean, I feel like it didn't really, it doesn't, it doesn't help because. Uh, uh, these kids want like want to be seen. Like, right. like you're also exposing them to everything when they have the chance to talk to the media. So I feel like hiding them uh, at you know their their freshman the beginning of the freshman year. I mean, I, I don't think it's going to help. Like, could you imagine Zion Williamson having couldn't talk to the media? Right. Um, They're crazy. Semester, like, the media yeah, go like, crazy. Yeah. So. No? So, um, and also, I think with us, like, we, I mean, we were all Americans, and we from the city. Yeah, and we're local. And we're local. Yeah, who don't, want to talk, who don't want to talk to us? You know, just thinking about it. I mean, if I had a kid, if I was a reporter, and a local kid that was just killing in the area, and he's all man play the year, he comes to the school that I'm reporting at, yeah, I want to talk to him. You know? I think, and too. I think, too, and I wasn't covering – I never covered any, any WCAC games when I was doing high school stuff around here. But at some point, I, you know, I, I went down to Peach Jam. You know, I went to different tournaments. And, you know, I think when this rule came about, high school wasn't covered like it is now. And, you know, there's some kids that, you know, they're down there in the U16 for the EYBL. They've been talking to reporters since they were in eighth grade, right? So – I don't, I don't think it's such an adjustment like, oh, now you're in college. Like, now this is going to happen. I mean, I, you know, I talked to tons of guys, you know, over the years. And I'm sure you guys did, too. Even if, Austin, if you didn't uh, want to, right? Like, you were definitely talking to people when you were, when you were in high school. Right. Absolutely, man. That was part of the, you know, when we got to the level that we did because of our talent, 
uh, we had to do interviews. That was something, you know, after games, you go to PCM, you go to Nike camp, me and Free, me, Austin, and Dewan played on the same team in Nike camp. Same you Nike know, camp. I got the picture. I got the picture right up here. Right I think over here. Yeah, before we even stepped foot at Georgetown, before anybody knew they were going to Georgetown, me, Austin, and Dewan right. were on the same team at Nike camp. And we have been talking to the media, I mean, since the eighth grade, you know. So, right. And and I understand the rule at the time that uh, Coach Big John put it in. Yeah. It was to protect his players and protect them from whatever scrutiny they would come across. But it was a different time, and the kid and the type of kid that he was recruiting when we got to school was completely different. And um, we had come from, a, you know, knowing us and knowing our background, you know, it was it was a little to me it was shocking that you would keep us away from the media when everybody knew that we were there <laughs> and wanted to know what's up, you know. <laughs> Uh, so to me, it was kind of, it, it was outdated. It was outdated for sure. So, so, so Chris, I was watching your bit, your, uh, ID that you put up earlier tonight. Uh, you, you mm-hmm. were answering some questions to people. And one of the things I, I, I write that wrote down that you said was sort of in terms of like how to kind of get things back going. You said, quote, we have to keep it real in Georgetown. That's what made us the best. So whether it's something like this, we're talking about freshman recruiting or freshman talking uh, first semester or something else that you think is really important? Where are you about right now in terms of, you know, keeping it real with Patrick Ewing or somebody else in the organization the program kind of saying, hey, I've gone through here recently. I know what we need to do. We need to fix this thing. Where are you kind of right now in terms of that level of comfort, keeping it real with those guys? I have no problem with doing that. And it's all constructive criticism. And it has to come from a place you have to understand that it's not coming from a place that um, – or I'm down in the program. I I'm, I'm, I'm support the program. I am part of the program. We are alumni. We went through there. So you can't tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about because we were a part of that program for so long that we understand it in and out, through and through. Um, and we yeah. understand what, what these kids are going through and what they want at that level um, because we were there. So for me, it's, it's nothing but constructive criticism, if anything, because it's all out of love and it's all out of trying to make sure that you know, Georgetown basketball get get back to where get back to where we believe that it should be, and we want that to be a consistent thing. You know, and um, you know, we I think that's something that we have me and Austin have taken to, and and that's why we're saying we're making it public known that shoot, we need to get up there. You know, we want to be a part of that because right. I really believe that things change. You know, and Otto Porter came in there and he held it down for a few years, but it wasn't sustainable because. You couldn't recruit the area anymore. You couldn't recruit the guys. They were over that, you know. Brian Crawford that went to Wake Forest. He was a Gonzaga kid, you know. This is a Gonzaga kid. This is where, you know, JT3 went to school at. So you would think, like, if I was getting into – if I was a coach, I would use, like, Austin is going to be – his connection is the master. My connection would be St. John's in the DMV. (laughs) So if a a tough guard is coming out of St. John's, you better believe, and I'm all over it, and we got tough guards coming out every year. So, you know, that's that's kind of how I look at it. And right now, right now in the math, we got we got a couple, two, three of right. them actually. Right. Yeah. So, you know, try to do whatever we can to help, but you know, also we gotta, you know, trying to get on staff pretty much. And, <laughs> right. You know, make this make this make this a thing for sure. So, which, so is that, if, if you both yeah. are on staff, which one is the head coach? Chris, which one is the head coach? So like if, if, if we put, we say we're not talking about Patrick, but like which one do you want to be the head coach? Like we give you the chance. 
which one of you is the head, wants to be the head coach? You would, you guys want to do that one day? Yeah, I think I would be the first, head coach. First right, I had to, sure. I think I would be the head coach because I got to talk to media all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason. The That's the only reason. <laughs> There's no other reason I can sit here and say, but I think because me, I'm comfortable in front of me. And not that free isn't comfortable, but, you know, I don't have a problem with that. You know, if you think – if you really watch our careers, there was probably not a game that I didn't do an interview after my freshman – after the first half of my – well, virtually after my freshman year. Sophomore year, on up, I was doing all the interviews. I had no problem with doing it. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not saying that I'm trying to be all notoriety and stuff. I'm just comfortable in that role. I'm very comfortable in that role speaking. I have no problem speaking to anybody. Usually comes along with, you know, being a point guard, being a quarterback. Those traits usually kind of follow those positions, right? Also, my family. You know, my family, I've had a great support system. And and just having that backing and having that support has always given me confidence. So now as a man, I have always had principles I can stand on. So Ben put us on a sidetrack, which happens a lot. Um, if you guys can remember from a couple minutes ago, I was trying to go down the best games. I wanted to also throw yeah. in, I know it happened on an NFL Sunday around Thanksgiving, but you guys played Maryland one time down in Orlando. And I think that yeah. game has to be on this list because just the way that game went. People, I know it, 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 What's that? Yeah, they, didn't, they didn't even have a chance. No. Yeah, we beat the dude. They had no shot. <laughs> I feel For like real. we did, we went in there. We went in there with a uh, with like a sense of pride. Like yo, we there can't was no, go back. Was, see, we can't go back to the what, area losing. The yeah, matter. like we yeah, can't. And that's back. what right, and that's what's missing. Like if you guys were could have understood what we were thinking and what we were feeling going into that Maryland game, you would know that it would have been no way that Maryland was going to beat us that night. Because we knew that we had to come back to the city and it was for bragging rights. And if we lost to that, we did not want to have to hear Landon Milburn and Gravis and, you know, Sean Mosley and all these guys talking trash. That was not what we were trying to have. Braxton Dupree, who's a Baltimore kid. So that was on our mind. So now these yep. kids don't have – you know, it's not a lot of kids that can have that connection. Jamarco Pickett maybe, you know, because he's from the area. But that's, you know, having us in, involved with the program – is, is is holding these kids accountable that look man you you represent us dude you know what i'm saying you represent right. us you putting on that jersey you represent us and you represent this city and what that yeah. means and that's something that has to be understood because when that's understood you play a different way it yeah. showed in that game i i couldn't no, believe what i was did. watching it was nice to watch um it was a complete it was it was it was one of those Princeton performances where the open shots it are worked. there, the shots are getting knocked down. You know, um, so did I? Did are there any glaring uh, misses I have here? Now I didn't include any. I know that Austin has some ridiculous performances against UConn and um, shoot, what is what is the other? oh? What well, was, was that, at, oh, at, that game at, at Villanova? At Villanova, yeah, at right. Villanova, yeah. yeah. Um, he went off with another. But in terms of sort of, you know, best team wins, are those up there? Is there any ones that I'm definitely missing that I'm totally forgetting? Definitely Memphis got to go up there. Memphis at home. Yeah. Memphis oh, at okay. home, overtime game. Even overtime the one at, at Memphis game. Um, yeah, the one at Memphis, too. All right, we got a senior. 
senior year, yep. Yeah. That year, and then also uh, the win at Pittsburgh. We had a win at Pittsburgh. Yeah, that was our junior year. Our junior year. Speaking of your junior year, this gets brought up on this podcast a lot, particularly in the last couple of months as we've been going over these old games. You know, the four years you guys were there, at, at some point every season, Georgetown was a top 10 team at one point. So yeah. it's not like the 2010 season is different in that way. But for me, and even 2008, because Jeff left and the team's a little bit different, but I think a lot of people look at 2010 as just so many it's just a roller coaster. Like you saw it all. I know everyone knows how it ended, but that to me is probably the last Georgetown team that, and you know, you guys beat two teams in the final four, the two teams in the final. That to me was the last time Georgetown went into the tournament. Like, you know, this team could win it all. Um, even maybe more so for me than 08. That's another topic. Um, I know you guys are doing dog talk. I think people would love, and I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I'm going to suggest I think people would love just to hear more about 2010. And there's got to be some crazy stories from that year because just what happened. And, you know, obviously, Austin, you had, you know, a medical condition that needed, you know, taken care of. But just from the team standpoint, does that does that season seem different? Or is that just me on the outside looking and just being wrong? No, we uh, had a shot. Uh, we yeah. had a legit shot. Yeah. Especially Wait, coming off the... Of- Regard, yeah, we lost in the championship to uh, West Virginia, but right. I felt like we were rolling. We were yeah. really rolling. Like, um, we like we were clicking. We were all clicking at the right time. Uh, all our pieces were clicking at the right time. I mean, I'm not even gonna lie. Uh, that maybe like two two week span. Probably I was I was probably going off off a of fumes pretty much because of yeah. Just being diagnosed and like up all night trying to figure out how to deal with this at the, at the time and be able to play at the same time and deal with it like yo like that two weeks span was probably like some of the it was it was very exhausting but like I felt like I had to do my part and all like Chris Greg Jason Julian the guys coming off the bench were. They helped me continue to play some of the best basketball at that time because, you know, we all just were clicking at that right time pretty much. So, yeah, um, that, that, that two-week span was really uh, real big for me, especially with them. Um, yeah. Yeah, for me it was um, – that was a year, man. We had a chance. You know, we had a chance. We came down – we came down to stretch of the season. Austin was – Cooking, boy. Austin was killing. Greg was arguably the best center in the in the in the, in the country. Yeah, I was doing what I was doing, and then Jason Clark was hooping, and then Hollis Thompson was hooping. Jarrell Benjamin, when he got his match, he was balling. Julian Warren was hooping. You know what I'm saying? It was it was just a whole slew of everybody was on the same page. And the thing that happened, what happened is, I'm not gonna lie. When Austin got sick, man, that took a lot out of us. That hit us hard, you know, because it happened so suddenly and it happened so fast, you know. It happened so fast, just the whole thing happened so fast. And then knowing that he wasn't 100%, he's still giving, you know, giving max effort out there. Was, you know, part of the reason why I played so well that, that Big East tournament, and I played so well down the stretch of the season because I'm like, dang, my dog is down right now. Not not that he's down, but he's not, he's not he don't have his normal, you know, 
he ain't just finishing on people like he usually finishing on people. <laughs> you know, so it was a little different and it was the reason why. And uh, you know, so it was I felt as part of being the leader of that team that, you know, I had to step up and help, not just in scoring, but doing everything I helped to the team. Um I just think we ran out of gas, man. I think we ran out of gas. We played five games in five days in the Big East tournament. Um, we ran out of gas in the in the in the in the, in the title. And then we just didn't play our best ball and when it came to Ohio <laughs> and yeah. playing them. You know, they really they were hitting and making plays and they and they punched us first and kept punching. And uh, you know, we try to fight back but I think the biggest thing for us is that when it came to postseason play with our team, we we got to a point where we got we were so good individually that it was hard for for guys to to stay and be disciplined in the system when we knew that we had the capability of exploiting our defender at any moment, you know. So trying to trying to harness that, trying to harness that mentally and physically. Um, was a was a constant battle that we had to go through for four years. So Ben, ben asked. We had um, someone that I'm, I know that you guys know. We had we had Rich Schwatkin on a couple times recently. Who is win? Who is win? Who is win? Who is And Ben asked him, and you know he's been doing games since even before I was born. So I don't feel as old <laughs> <Right>. around him. Um, <laughs> but but uh, so. Ben asked him, what's the one game that, you know, keeps you up at night? And, you know, he's the announcer, so it's different. He, you know, he mentioned a game where I was only one year old. He he mentioned the, the 1980 Elite Eight loss to Iowa. I know nothing about wow. that game. Right. So what the question I would ask you guys is, what's the one game you'd want to run back the most from when you guys were there? Mm, that's a great question. I've never thought about that. Mm. Okay, I got like three. I got like three. I got like three. That's three. Okay. Okay. Um, I would say freshman year Davidson game. Okay. Um, um. Can I can I just tell you as someone that was down there, uh, I couldn't figure out if I wanted Gonzaga or Davidson to win. I really didn't know. Uh, um. We were that yeah. team was cocky, man. That team was we yeah. didn't care. We didn't care. Right. Yeah, we were we were okay. We like we yeah. were okay with whoever we played. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just I mean, honestly if you think about it, we were up what? Seventeen in the second half. Seventeen. Right. Um yeah. it's just we didn't care. Yeah, that, that that one keeps me up. Uh for sure. Um West Virginia I mean, yes, the championship against West Virginia for sure. Um, okay. That does keep me up because I felt like we we was right there always. Like Ooh, honestly, if you if you if you look back at the game, then Sean Butler goes up. My hands are like on top of the ball, kind of. And like I gra- yeah, I graze it, and the from what I saw, it just looked like the ball like hit under the rim and then like rolled up into the basket. Like when I see that, when I went, when I look at it, that's what it looked like to me. From, so yeah, from like, like any travel from that game, <laughs> from that game, I was, I was also there, and I can't believe Missoula was making his free throws. Right, and yeah. then and then they they have that game back on YouTube 
Um, and I watch it every now and then. Um, there were some calls in that game that they got that I felt like in regular Big East play they weren't going to get. You wouldn't get. Like okay. the time when they called the foul on Julian and he fouled out. Yeah. And he oh, throws yeah. his whole body into Julian. Um, yeah. And they called a foul on Julian. Like, just a certain calls in there, like, I just felt like, you know, they wouldn't get it if it was like regular Big East play. And it, it, it was Austin crazy. Austin's been man. telling me to watch that game for some, you know, some time now. I still haven't watched that game. I still haven't watched it. Yeah, I, I watch it every now. I watch it every now and then, man. Because, I mean, we were playing great basketball at the time, man. And it was actually a really good Big East championship game. Like, regardless of that, that's up there with some of the top games in Big East championship, you know, history pretty much, I think. I'm still a little – As a resident old guy – Oh, sorry, as, as the resident old guy, yeah, absolutely. That's definitely one of the best biggest games, of, you know, regardless of the, uh, of how it went down. Yeah. yeah, for me, it would have to be definitely West Virginia. When you said the uh, game I run back, my first thing came to my mind is West Virginia game. Um, Davidson, oh, that's just sickening. And then um, those two. And uh, I don't want to give you a leading a leading um, comment, but I always go Ohio for me because, like, like I just said a couple minutes ago, you know, I feel like you guys had that, that was a national championship caliber team. Yeah, I mean, but we had see the thing you said it. We had a national caliber championship type team every year. You know, yeah, we had right. we were top ten at some point each year. You know, we we mm-hmm. were that good. We just we couldn't put it together at the end because, you know what I think it was, to be honest with you, I don't think we had defining roles because of the system that we played. Everything was kind of, you know, we go as the system goes. And that worked with the, the players before. But our, our crop of guys were different, man. We had a different mentality. We had a different thinking. And if you don't define roles, to me, it makes it difficult because then everybody thinks that they're supposed to do everything. You got to tell me, you know, me, 17, 18 years old, you better tell me what I need to do or, you know, I might do something that I shouldn't do. (laughs) I'm just keeping it real, man. So, you know, I I think that was a major factor. We didn't, as good as we were, everybody kind of had, it was kind of even kill for everybody. It shouldn't have been even kill. You know, it should have been even even for and also playing playing in the Princeton, um, right. it's hard to come back or get back mm-hmm. in the game sometimes. Right, especially when especially when you're not pre- when you're not pressing or you're not really pressuring the ball and stuff like that. It's real tough to get back in the game. So yeah. I feel like, especially during tournament time, like in Big East play, okay, yeah, there's chance we can get back in the game, but. If you get down eight, nine points against, you know, a team in a tournament, it's a wrap. It's, it's tough. It's tough. It's, it's tough to get back into the game. So, uh, Austin, that's that another part of that. Austin, with the, since you mentioned Davidson, I'm just curious. Does the fact that Steph Curry became, you know, one of the greatest basketball NBA players of all time, does that ease, ease the pain a little bit? Or does the fact that he is Steph Curry, he's mentioned all the time, that just remind you of that game too much that you would you go away. No, it, it doesn't. It's just the fact that uh, we were up. We were winning. Right. 
Nothing eases the pain when you blow a twenty point lead. Yeah, we 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 were winning. We had honestly, I thought we had we had the game. Austin knew I was still nervous. I mean, Chris was still nervous, but I I mean, I'm like, we 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 gonna win this game regardless. I feel like we we're, we're guarding him. We're making it tough on him. I mean, yeah, he's missing shots here, and uh, um, I mean, but I feel like we still got the game. Um, but you know, Chris Wright is in the locker room at halftime, and he's I heard you guys. Us, hey guys, one of the one of the first like, um, podcasts. Yeah, he's like, hey guys, um, he's figuring this thing out. Let's let we got to stay on him. You know, I'm yeah, sitting, I, next, I, I sitting next to each other all the time. I'm just yeah. like, I, I, Chris, yeah, I hear you, but dog, we're winning this. We up 17. We good. And, right. you know, that second half started. It was a whole different game, man. They should it, listen to me, oh, man. Boy. I was like Miss Cleo. I was a fortune teller on that one. <laughs> I'm telling you, dog, I saw it. I saw it straight up in the first half. I was watching this dude run around the court, and I said, okay. He's shaking his head. He he did, he did. He hasn't even broke a sweat. He's really just chilling out. He might miss some shots, but he had some good looks. And I'm like, uh-oh. You know, we kind of feeling real good, but the dude ain't get hot yet. You know he can get ultra hot. And I just saw his demeanor. That's what really struck me. I was like, yo, he is not even phased one bit. And I was right. I was 100% <laughs> right. Because when that second half started, man, he got an open look one time, and that was that's all he needed. And the rest was history from there. Hey Chris, so speaking of being Miss Miss Cleo, there's two guys. I don't you can... steal, I don't I don't lie to people though. I ain't stealing their money and all that. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you guys had two teammates, and this I'm sorry, it's not it's not just for Chris, it's for Austin as well. You guys had two teammates that once you guys graduated, they both kind of blew up unexpectedly, and maybe one more than the other. Yeah, and I, I just want to know if you guys kind of saw this coming. Henry Sims did it at Georgetown the next year, which was big because, you know, Monroe's already gone. Uh, Julian's gone. Um, you know, you kind of really, you know, they needed Henry to be who he was that next year. And then you mentioned him a little bit earlier. Jarrell, Jarrell Benjamin went for a change of scenery and had just a ridiculous career at Towson, you know. And, I, you know, I mean, so did you guys see any of that coming? Because I think those are. Those are those are two scenarios that it's like wow well, you know why didn't we get you know why didn't Georgetown sort of get more of that from Henry or why you know why did Benman have to leave to sort of become who he was? Um, I think I mean Henry was always always talented. Henry yeah. was always talented. Jarrell, same thing. Uh, they're they're both really talented. It was just you know I feel like. You know, growing up, maturing, and you know, you know, just having that opportunity uh, for both of them. I think it was because they they've always had the talent. They've always been good. It was just you know the chance and the opportunity to actually go out there. You know, playing you know thirty something minutes a game uh, and just going out there and just being able to show show their talent at the time. Um, but I mean, like the first couple of years, I mean, you know, they'll, they'll be in practice and they'll be doing things in practice where you'll be like, oh, okay, uh, but we're gonna need more of that or something like that. But it was just like them just having the time, just having that opportunity to go out there. Honestly. Yeah, for me, um, I think him and Sam should have been playing from his freshman year. 
you know, he had the control and all that, but that kid was a beast, and he was always a beast. Um, I also think it just had with Jarrell was the same time, but you got to th- Jarrell was the same way. He was ready when he came in. I think it's just that you know, at that time we had so much talent. You know, yeah. we had so much talent in our roster. Um, it's hard to dissect who should be playing and when they should be playing and all that stuff. We had a lot of talent, man. You know, we had a lot of talent, guys. All if you think about our team, everybody played pro. You know. Yeah. Um, and so that that just goes to show the amount of talent that we that we were like pick up games in the summertime. Oh my gosh, you know that was yeah. intense. Like guys were going at it, you know, because everybody's trying to fight for playing time and all that stuff. And man, it was wars out there, you know. And then Kevin Durant would come in, and and Jeff would come back, and Roy would come back, and all the Gilbert Arenas would pop. You know, it was a whole bunch of Javale McGee's to come play with us, and Marcus Chris Paul. So it got really heavy. We just had such a talented group of people that playing time was hard to come by. You know, yeah. I don't think that Tammy Sam should have sat until his senior year. I definitely don't think yeah. that. Uh, but it was a lot of – I mean, he had Roy Hibbert and, and Greg Monroe in front of him. You know, so shit, both of those guys were lottery picks, you know. Or yeah. I think Roy was trying to say, oh, at the end of the lottery, yeah, they were both lottery picks or something. So – um, but Henry Sims would have been a lottery pick if he got that time too. I really firmly believe that because he had right, he got right, all the right. Yeah. Ben, are you here? Yeah, I, I love the idea of, of of those pickup games. And in my head right now, this is what I imagine, Chris, that you're going to organize alumni games now in your new role as ambassador of the Georgetown alumni. You're going to organize these pickup games to get guys to, to play, and maybe somehow we can get it in front of fans. And, play for charity or something. Of course you have to get Iverson on the court though to, to make it uh to, to, to make it Iverson next level. Alan Iverson ain't playing no ball, man. We can we can dare to dream. Um, let me ask you a, 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 silly, a silly question. If we do this, if we actually had an alumni game like tomorrow and all, all those anybody's there but they're there they're the age they are now. And you have the first pick Chris for your team. You can't pick Austin, you can pick anybody else. Who would you pick based on who they are right now? I'm picking myself. Well, yeah, you're already on the team. You're the oh, captain. Right. Who else? Uh, who, who you picking next? All right, um, Jeff Green. Oh, I'll take Greg Monroe. He's easier than my team. I'm definitely see? going for Jeff Green. Yeah. I like it that you both went big men so you guys can handle the ball. I like that. <laughs> I mean, I was going to handle the ball regardless. <laughs> Even if I pick Allen Robinson, I'm like, Chuck, you might have to just go over to the two real quick, bro, and just let me get that. But nah, nah, nah. I, I, I mean, Jeff is, you know, Jeff is amazing. You see, look, you know, so what's good about what's interesting about Jeff is when we actually did the, uh, the interview with him. Yeah. And you can and you can hear all the stuff that he did and all the yeah. accolades that he has. <laughs> Jeff is arguably like top five all time in Georgetown history, man. Right. You know, because goodness gracious, he was rookie of the year, Biggie's player of the year, first team all Biggie's. I mean, he went to the final four, he won Biggie's most outstanding player. Like and then he has a thirteen year NBA career. He was the number five pick in the draft. He's went to the finals. He's I mean, made more money than any of us can even imagine. So he averaged fourteen <laughs> in the NBA. He's averaging fourteen, and he had a and he had open heart surgery in the middle of all that. Yeah, and he still right. performs. 
So to me, he's he's a superhero, man. Yeah. He's all he's been one of my favorite players since I was a kid, so Right. <laughs> yeah. And yet another local guy to to, to bring your home, bring home your point of uh having these having these guys uh sticking around was such a key uh big key for you guys. Um let me ask you a completely other uh, silly question. Uh, I, I assume at various points along the way, you and Austin were, were, were roommates. You have to pick Austin. You have to pick a different roommate. You can't pick Chris. Anybody, anywhere from Georgetown, Lord, you want to be your roommate. I'm curious. Some, at some point along the way, you and Austin, are, you and Chris were, were roommates and whatnot. If you could pick anybody else from Georgetown to be your roommate along the way, who would you pick? Anyone from the team or uh, and, and yeah, any point in history? Any point in history? Hmm. Uh, to be roommates with? I don't. I, I didn't like having roommates. I yeah, I didn't like having roommates, but I think uh, <laughs> I want to say like Dikembe Mutombo. He seems like he's a very funny person. So. <laughs> that is a tremendous. I, I like. I like. I do. I do appreciate a good laugh. So you know. Listen, I had Henry Sims as my roommate for two years, so I don't think anybody can top Henry. That's one of the funniest people on this earth. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, people would just be coming over there just to see Henry because Henry was funny, boy. He was he, <laughs> he was the life of the party. <laughs> yeah, he was, a, he was a comedian. He was a comedian. So, sure. I don't know, man. I, I'm sure Dikembe would have been a good roommate, too. But that's what <laughs> Henry Sims to have me cracking up, boy. <laughs> I don't think it's hard to imagine that Henry Sims was the team, the team jokester. Speaking of, you know, Ben's. No, he wasn't though. He wasn't Uh-oh. a team jokester. The team yeah. jokester was Omar with Todd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dirty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dirty was the team. Was the was the class, He was the team clown. Yeah. Omar with Todd. That that makes me think of Nikita Mishcherikov. Um yeah. I mean, that's how that, that's, four, that's, that's all plan. four of us that came in together. Yeah, yeah I know. Plan. That's yeah. that's why I said it. Um, so yeah. speaking of the alumni and stuff, and I know Austin played, and I think you guys have both played on a different team. What's it going to take for Georgetown to have a consistent um, TBT team? You, uh, you know, I mean, that's, you know. That, we'll leave that for Chris because, you know, I have some hard feelings to, towards the last oh, Okay situation so because i mean i think georgetown <laughs> fans look at how syracuse has the Bayheims army and when you you know you were just rattling off full guys that have you know played pro and um you know a lot of you guys are still playing austin you just recently quit so i'm sure that you're you're still able to play and you know play on a high level in that tournament um he ain't quit he retired he ain't quit well okay yeah yeah i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> um <laughs> but but uh you know it just seems like that's something that seems like for you know a school that doesn't have football or i'm sorry doesn't have you know fbs football it just seems like that would be such a great thing to get going particularly when it seems like the alumni is pretty tight uh, you just pretty much gotta get guys to commit yeah okay. it's just a commitment man i think now with the, the the type of energy that's kind of circulating around georgetown and, and what we've been kind of bringing to the forefront I think that more alumni will kind of want to get involved. I'm not saying it's because yeah. of us. It's really because of Patrick Ewing Jr. and him being right. adamant on uh, getting alumni back involved. I think that with that, with him um, and his seat at Georgetown and with me and Austin, you know, doing our thing with the podcast and trying to get all these former guys on, 
then guys will, you know, feel more comfortable to play and represent, you know. But you got to understand, a lot of people went through Georgetown and not necessarily had the best feelings when they were finished, you know. So it's it's kind of hard for some people to be attached to it, um, even if we are still all friends, you know. Sometimes, we, you know, a lot of guys, we felt better when we got out of Georgetown, you know, just playing-wise because we felt that we had the freedom to do what we want. Um, and so there, if you could take – and if you can – and, you know – Going back to that, even if it's not the same, it kind of, you know, he's like, I don't really want to leave that alone, you know. Um, that's just the thinking. That's as honestly as honest as I can get. Okay. When when you say guys kind of leave with a little bit, I forget what you said, maybe a, a bad taste in their mouth. Is there like a is there like a, a common thing or that's just sort of, is there like a, a common reason or these are just kind of different reasons and sort of your observations? Well, everybody has their own reasons, but I think yeah. the most common thing is that you just don't feel the unity. We didn't feel the togetherness. You didn't feel, you know, you kind of felt that you were there, and then when it was over, it was over. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Um, and then as you as you grow and as you your other friends come back from their schools and you see them still getting a lot of love and they getting new gear and all that stuff, and my shorts are still crazy. I don't know if y'all saw my post yesterday. Um, on Not Instagram, yet. I posted, and I had these big ass Georgetown shorts on. Okay. These big old, <laughs> big Georgetown shorts, and they're cool. I like them, but they're too big. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you just got you need some up to date stuff. That's all. Style change. Um, yeah, the style change, and uh, you know, I, I believe you know Pat, Coach Pat, and Lil Pat are trying to do everything they can, and they're doing a great job to make us all feel comfortable with the program. Um, that's why we're, we're we're starting to get back involved in whatever capacity we can. Um, but guys just then, you know, everybody has their feelings. You know, you didn't feel like you maximized your abilities at Georgetown. You know. Speaking of uniforms, I've been making a big thing because I don't know why, but I love the title blue. I don't think there was a lot of title blue when you guys played. What's, as an alum, what's the feeling for the title blue? I like it. Uh, I mean, it's cool. I, I think it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a problem with it. They 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 got the black jersey still, right? Yeah. I'm a huge fan of the black jersey for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't have a problem with it at all. I mean I think that jersey is nice. That's just I mean when you win it's gonna look even better. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> It's like we're not winning, so like nobody's really yeah, we're winning. Everybody's like, oh man. So, so funny story about that JT three man. We played for JT three, and that we had a game. We had the D Wade edition silver platinum jersey, the coldest Georgetown jersey that Notre Dame. We played, we played Notre Dame, Notre Dame, and Notre Dame beat the brakes off of us. Is this home we or away? This, this is, is at home. home. Ben Hansborough going crazy on two thousand and ten. 2010. Yeah, 2010. This is, this is free. First this is a game, game back. where um where where Austin came down. This sick. is when I actually when I when I felt sick. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. that's the game. Yeah, this is when he got sick. And uh, Ben Hansbrough was going crazy on us. And we wore them jerseys. We had the the silver and white D Wade sneakers on. Uh, Jordan sneakers. Man, we ain't wear them jerseys ever again. We I love definitely, <laughs> I definitely remember, and I I know Ben had a better relationship with with JT three, but. I remember him being very superstitious. Oh, um, Pepto Bismol. You got to take a shot of Pepto Bismol. Yeah. Pepto Bismol. <laughs> he had to have a yellow Gatorade every, every game. game. <laughs> and he'd be clicking the shit out the pen the whole time. Right. 
like popping it too though, like live. <laughs> Every time, like coach, man, gosh, got to stop. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. so Chris, the guy that um runs the Casual Hoya site, some people think it's me. It is not me. I do not tweet from Casual Hoya. That is that is another guy. It's Andrew Geiger who's on the pod a lot. Couldn't make it tonight. Um, he's you know like a lot of people. He's really, and I know that he did it before. He sort of wants to know, you know, what more can the fans and specifically the Casual Hoya site do for this whole get Chris Wright's jersey on the wall? Um, first off, Casual Hoya is like. <laughs> I remember Casual one time I got that? into it with Casual Hill. What's that? Yeah, I was about to say, Casual I got into it with Casual Hill one time. Oh, really? Yeah, because all... I think it was, it had to be senior year. It was okay. senior year, and this is when Twitter started to get, you know, popular. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I would, I would tweak, like, every now and then and stuff like that, to the point where, like, they would, like, critique every tweet that I would put out. Like, <laughs> to the point where I got so mad that I had to like tweet back at guys. Like, look, like I'm 21 years old. I'm I'm tweeting. Like, why does every tweet have to get critiqued? Like, to the point okay. where I was yeah. so pissed off uh, with Casual Hill. But you know, it's all good now. Let's it's get Chris Wright wall jersey on the wall. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, my opinion on Casual Hoya was is is been cool, man. I ain't gonna lie. I always, I've been following Casual Hoya since I got on Twitter, and uh, right. Him saying this whole this team will kill us will kill us all, dog. That is hilarious to me. <laughs> uh, it is like consistent every game. He's like this team is going to right. kill us. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. It is. Kill us. Um, but in terms of my jersey on the wall, I think I deserve it, man. I think I I I I think I deserve it. I think I earned it. Um, and I think it's something that should be done. Whether it will or will not be, and how we need to you know go about that, I don't know, man. I don't know, but I I think I deserve to be on the wall. I really do. Um, Have I think you Mark ever heard Jordan, any sort of like what the actual you know qualification is? I think you I know think some it, people are, you know, oh, do you have to be drafted? Have to, do you have to play like a whole season? You know, I feel like there's some sort of like, oh, well, he did this, but he didn't do. You know, has there anyone given you like d- like direct like, hey, this is whatever the criteria is? He got no. honestly, he got to the, he got to the NBA. I know. That, that's what I'm saying. Like he got to the NBA. That that that's it. There shouldn't be no questions. There shouldn't be anything else. It's, he should be up on the wall. I totally agree. And that's just that. I think the that's criteria. It. I think the criteria that they set was that um, people we have at least a year in the league. What is the criteria? I don't know. Nobody's ever told me the no. rule. I can't remember who's on there, but He's I want to say, I want to say Robert Churchwell from when I was a kid had like kind of a similar a similar stint in the NBA as Chris did currently. And I mm-hmm. forget if he's up there or not, but yeah, I, I think it's pretty, you know, look, you play one minute in the NBA and I know Chris played in three games. I, I think um, that's a pretty big achievement. And, you know, why not promote all of your dudes that, that, that get there. More so, more so than that. I think you need to recognize the players that had legendary careers at Georgetown. Oh, for sure. <laughs> So the Kevin Braswells, the Austin Freeman, the John Wallace, the you know, that that that's something that has to be right now. I know it'd be too hard now because we've had guys and Free brought this. I didn't even think about that. He brought this to my attention. We've had guys that wore the same number, <laughs> so everybody's number can't get retired. 
but there has to, there should be some acknowledgement for the work they did at Georgetown. I think yeah. that wall yeah. is, is kind of a subliminal, and it kind of just you know discredits what the people that work on the wall and that rep- Michael Jackson is Michael Jackson on the wall. He didn't go to the NBA, yeah. did he? The Sacramento Kings. Yeah, the Sacramento Kings. Okay, so yeah, I mean he's on there. He's on there. He's on there. Yeah, but it's just so many guys, you know, that that have done so much for the program that didn't, you know, not necessarily NBA guys. Um, that I think need to get acknowledged, man. And that's that's something that you know that's the, that's the that's kind of like you know that's kind of the thing at Georgetown that kind of messes your head up without even you, you thinking about it. That like, dang, if I ain't get on this wall. I don't mean nothing to the program, you know. That's kind of okay. What you're trying to say, <laughs> you only yeah. acknowledging the guys. It's not like you know, in the years that you don't acknowledge a Mark Tillman, you know, you know what I'm saying, like those type of guys. How you don't acknowledge those guys, man? These are guys that did a lot for the program. That was there for years, you know. Right. You know, what you, you know, so the message that we preaching to these kids and, and preaching to young young men is that if you're not making the NBA, you know, that's it. You know, and I don't, I don't think that's a message that should be delivered because regardless if they think if that's the reason, you know, regardless if they believe what I'm saying or not, kids have that in their mind. Kids have that in their mind. And uh, I think that's something that needs to be changed. So for real, for real, we, you know, we need to get rid of the wall, I think, because it's Georgetown is about, should be about what these kids are doing there at the program. At Georgetown. You know, at Georgetown. Not what they do after Georgetown, what they do at Georgetown. Right. And that could be something like, cause I mean, you're right. There's a lot of players that, you know, made, you know, you mentioned Kevin Braswell, you know, Austin is right here with us. Um, guys that were, you know, first team, all Big East guys, um, yeah. you know, and, you know, second team, third team, you know, there's all, all, all Big East tournament stuff. Yeah. You're right. You're, you're, you're limiting your scope to what you kind of do when you leave, which I mean, obviously I think if you're, and you can correct me, um, I, I think if you're a scholarship player at a school like Georgetown, how could you not be thinking NBA, right? Like that's obviously what you want to do. And to that point, you've been the best of the best, but as we know, it's really hard to get there, but you can also be an incredible part of the program, you know, and not, not get to that, that ultimate spot, but you can do some serious damage in the, you know, Georgetown record book, you know, and still need that, that recognition of you walk into the practice court at the Thompson center and you see the wall of the all biggies players or whatever you want to do right. thousand point scores. You can make up right. your own, you know, list of, of, of what, of what makes that, but that definitely yeah. makes sense. Kevin Braswell is the top 10 score all the time. Number one assist and no one steals. Oh yeah. Trust me. That was so I didn't go to Georgetown, but I, I was in college at that time. I grew up in the area. I, I went to, I went to um, JMU and Braswell was was my guy. Yeah, I mean, how can he not be? He had he he shoot the ball. He was light. He was quick. I mean, he was the man. So, you know, like he played. He started every game. His his Georgetown career. He started from his freshman year all the way through his senior. You gotta acknowledge this guy. You know what I'm saying? That's how I feel. Um, like how can you you know because he didn't make the NBA. He's one of the greats, man. You know. <laughs> I always I always love. Ke- I always love Kevin Braswell talk. I don't know if Ben's asleep, but I will say this. You guys, <laughs> um, you guys, did you guys, when you left college, were you into soccer at all? This is my version of a funny question. No. Uh, yeah, a little bit. 
Yes, a little well, bit. Well, I was, yeah, I was. Between, yeah, you know, watching bit. it or FIFA or whatever. So my question is, you guys have played basketball around the world. Did you get into soccer? Do you have any sort of, did you start following teams? I think I've seen Chris wearing Italy jerseys or maybe Juventus or something. Have you guys embraced the world's game? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm yeah. a big soccer fan. And my favorite team is Juventus. That's the jersey I had on. Okay. Uh, Juventus is my favorite team. I lived in Torino. I lived in Torino, Italy, where Juventus is. Um, so I got to, you know, be around it firsthand and just the culture. I mean, being overseas, the culture of, of football, as they call it, is like crazy, man. It's second to none. It's not even close. So just being over there, experiencing that. And in Italy, they're so, you know, passionate about uh, football that is – Everybody in your team is talking about it. Everybody in the streets is talking about it. Like, that's yeah. the biggest thing. Everything shuts down when the soccer games are going on and all that. So, I mean, you can you can, you don't have to get involved with it, but it's fun, man. It's fun. And, yeah, uh, it is. It's a good experience. Right. And what's bigger than the World Cup, you know? Nothing. You know, so, yeah, absolutely. I get into soccer. Absolutely. I watch yeah. it. I'm, you know, watching it now. I think I think LeBron just tweeted yeah. something with something talking about Liverpool. Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah. Liverpool yeah. won. Yeah, the only the only time I got a chance to ask anyone I think it was it was I think it was Otto or or uh Winnington. They were thinking he was wearing like a Real Madrid jersey to one of those one of those media media availabilities before a game we had and uh I remember being like okay, finally college basketball and soccer are starting to become a package deal like my two biggest passions. And then mm-hmm. I figure when you guys go out, it's it's going to be impossible to live overseas and not become immersed in it. Yeah, I mean, you you can you can live in your own bubble. You can okay. live in your own bubble, but I mean, it's very you know, if you're talking to anybody, the newspaper, only thing the newspapers, the front pages are all either politics or soccer. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you you going to get in soccer, and soccer has has been such a you know, kind of a, like a a healer in the sense, uh, a groundbreaker. It's been, it's such been a, a, very a common ground. Yeah, for so many people and for so many different countries. And it's a way of, you know, bringing people together in so many different ways that uh, you, you kind of got to, you kind of gravitate, gravitate to it naturally. Hey, ben. Yeah, if, I, if, if I heard this correct, I was listening to your guys' uh, podcast with uh, Patrick Jr. And you guys were talking about favorite places that I guess you live or maybe you visited uh, when you when you guys were overseas. And, and, and yeah. Austin, and I have a similar list. Rome, I believe, Austin was your number one. That that's mine. I haven't been everywhere, but that's, that's my number one. And you both, yeah. I was very I was very happy to hear you both give Tel Aviv significant praise. And I just want to say, as a member of, as a member of the tribe, oh, yeah. I think, uh, <laughs> as a, you said as a member. Tel Aviv is a great. I, I'm a member of the, uh, the, the, the Jewish people, so I'm saying. I, 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 big thumbs up on the television call. Okay. Yeah. Shabbat shalom, yeah, my friend. Yeah. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah uh, Tel Aviv was a great place in Berlin. Oh, my God. Berlin was amazing. Yeah. Uh, Berlin's a great place. Paris is a great place. Um, you know, Istanbul is crazy for me, too. You know, that city is just, like, it's amazing. Huh? Honestly, a uh, a place. I mean, I don't feel like people don't really talk about, it, but Luxembourg is actually a really a sleeper cool place to be at. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, really I've never is. been to Luxembourg. 
Yeah, it's really nice over there. Like, you want, like, a good vacation spot, you should go to Luxembourg, man. So, yeah. Austin, Ben asked me the other day what was up with your Twitter handle, and I assumed it was something to do when maybe you're playing in Dominican Republic. Uh, what? what Sugar Free? No, isn't it like um, El Cuatro or something? Oh, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nah, because uh, if, no, if nobody, uh, like, I'm Austin Freeman the fourth. Oh, so, uh, you know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So um yeah, so a couple of times like I, I, I played and I wore the number four just because, you know, my number was uh you know, I'm also dreaming the four. So okay. and some of my friends be messing around when I was playing in the DR, like they'll like just call me El Quacho and it was just like <laughs> it was just something just like joking around and stuff. So yeah. I was close. I was close. Um <laughs> Hey guys, this has been an incredible podcast. Um, I, I don't know if Ben's done, but I know I've kept you a long time here. Do you want to talk about, or do you want to just give out the name where everyone can follow Dog Talk real quick before we get out of here? Yeah, definitely. You can follow us on yeah. uh, Dog Talk One One on Instagram, and we are coming with a Twitter. Everybody is is, is, is killing us about a Twitter. We're gonna have a Twitter soon. We actually have one. We just <laughs> We just need to be more active. Well, <laughs> yeah. I think just following you guys, you know. Yeah, and you can follow me, yeah. Chris Wright underscore eleven, and free. You can follow free. Yeah, uh, un- underscore sugar free five uh, on Instagram and and Twitter. So, on Twitter, my name is self underscore made est eighty nine. So you can follow me on there. You know, if you want to get some real good insight on life. <laughs> Absolutely on everything that you need to do to be successful in this life, please follow Chris Wright. Uh, hey, Ben. I, I need all that kind of help, so I definitely will. Uh, it's been a, uh, it's been, hey, it's been a pleasure to if you, if you need a virtual coaching, a virtual coach, I got packages for that, too. Mentorships, I got all of that. Whatever you need, brother. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to look it up. For sure, um, guys. It's, it's definitely been a pleasure. I mean, uh, you know, like I said, uh, when I first started covering the team, it was right for that basically your guys like senior year. I went to the movie games that tipped off that season. And, uh, you know, so you guys have definitely been uh, in my professional life for a long time. It's great to catch up. Glad to hear you guys are are doing okay and uh, and hanging in there. It's been a crazy world we're all living in. So, well, thank you for having us, man. We appreciate well, thank you. It was, and, uh, it's great to have you. I can't wait to see the content you keep pushing out. And at some point, we definitely have to have you back. It'll be great, All man. Right. And, yo, yeah. stay tuned. This Sunday interview is going to be – y'all going to enjoy this one. Yeah. We had a good one. It's going to be a really yeah. good one, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be tough. Kevin Durant. <laughs> this is really tough. <laughs> Hey, I think now just people gotta say y'all gotta y'all gotta check in with us because you never know when yeah. we got up our sleeve, you know. So when yeah. we say we come with something, you just gotta pay attention because it could be really something, as you can see. <laughs> no, you guys, you guys put your flag in the ground and said this is no joke. You yeah. better tune in because you're not you do not want to miss Kevin Durant or that kind of you know Jeff Green, Patrick Ewing Jr. You guys have done great guests, but for us. You guys are the Kevin Durant for the for the Kente Corner. So really appreciate you guys. Thank you, man. Thank, Thank you for you. having me. All right. I'll see you. All right. All right.